Welcome to Joiners, the podcast with Tim and Danny, where we explore the world of hospitality by chatting with its most colorful characters. That's right, Danny. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Tim? Good. You've never said anything other than good. I, you always good? Y'all good? Yeah, I think so. Hmm. That's good. Interesting. What do you always I say? I guess a more important question is, if you weren't good, would you tell me? Yeah, that'd be a bummer way to start. <laughs> hey, Danny, good to be in the studio. Yeah, That's in, what you think. <laughs> yeah, I'm in a hole right now and I can't get out. But I'll always here, throw yeah. you a rope. Yeah, that's right. Thanks, man. So, Danny, I went out. I had a supper club experience. You know I love a supper club, right? Yep. Um, Shannon and I were out visiting my dad um, on Friday. Are like, supper clubs mostly concentrated in wisconsin mostly in wisconsin okay. yeah so but this there is are, a wisconsin supper club we're talking about this one was not it's just south of the border in illinois oh okay you will find some in other areas like kind of um like iowa out west in illinois but typically like northern illinois mostly wisconsin i'd say 90 percent okay. are wisconsin it's kind of a tradition so we we seek them out i like them i read a book about them my favorite is ishnala i'd love to get the uh proprietor of Ishnala on the pod sometime. Um, that's kind of the quintessential one. Uh, so anyway, my dad was like, what do you guys want for dinner? I'm like, well, Friday, let's do a Friday fish fry. So there's a supper club. There's one right by his house that we go to a lot. And then there's another one that's like maybe on the other side of town, like maybe 15 or 20 minutes away. I'm like, you know, let's try this one. Let's go up there. Uh, my dad's friends recommended it. So we go and um, <laughs> we, were, we were sat in a booth next to another table with a young lady who'd been overserved, mm, and uh that's not fun yeah it was an eavesdropping situation where she would just chime in every few minutes <laughs> your table's conversation yeah so we we're like <laughs> talking about like what are you gonna order and i'm like i think i'm gonna go with the fried fish and like i'm i'm gonna go with the broil you know kind of talking about it and the woman leans over and she's she has her back like to, to I'm like facing my dad and she's got her back to my dad's back like on the booth behind him and she she leans over she's like oh just go with the broiled and I'm like oh boy here we go one of these did not ask for this and it's like fine yeah. maybe once mm -hmm. or twice or if they're maybe adding some sort of entertainment value but there was no humor it was just like yeah just please leave us alone like then then it then we're talking quieter because we don't want to like you don't want to stoke her fire exactly yeah so that that initially was like you know not great but also like part of the supper club tradition is the ambiance like it's not always the best food and you don't really expect that but it's like a cozy vibe it's a warm feeling it's it's usually like kind of dark and cozy kind of like a soda cough aesthetic mm -hmm. not not that fancy but like dark and cozy like comfortable that. yeah yeah and this place we were in like the main dining room and it was big like tall ceilings and stuff and it had um just extremely light uh, extremely bright lights yeah it's like almost bad. like supermarket lighting and Oof. it's just not what you want for a the friday night dinner yeah the fluorescence not flattering it wasn't fluorescent they, they had these can lights <clears throat> so anyway i i always assess stuff like that and i was talking about that with my dad and shannon my dad's like you know you should mention it to the to the waitress who was like over the top nice like a young young lady very like obsequious service mm -hmm. and um so at the end of the meal um we're like you know getting stuff boxed up and I'm like, I'm like, hey, by the way, I think I had some feedback on the lighting in here. And um, I'm like, I think you could just keep the chandeliers lit, kill the can lights, and then we have these candles on the table that aren't lit. I think you just light the table candles, kill the can lights. I think that would really improve the, the, the feel in here and probably see your, uh, your drink sales double. 
you know, some sort of financial incentive to I like love the assumption turn these the... lights down. Not that I know. I'm not a consultant. I'm no expert. But... I think your drink sales go up about 25%. <laughs> yeah. 25, 35, <laughs> yeah. somewhere in that range. Don't quote me. Yeah, don't quote me on that. But anyway, so she's like, she's like, wow, that's great feedback. Thank you so much. And I assumed like it would die there. Maybe she'd bring it up at some point if it ever came up with the owners or whatever, like, hey, you know, this guest mentioned that maybe we should dim the lights or something. But instead, she goes, she goes, oh, you know what? The owner is up at the host stand right now. I'm going to go bring her over. So immediately, I'm like, oh, God, no, this is not going. <laughs> That's not I what picture. I wanted. Yeah. So like this, uh, this uh, small woman saunters over to our table. She's like dressed in a suit, you know, hands full. She's like, hello. Uh, thank you so much for going. Uh, I understand you had some uh, feedback on our lighting. And I was just like, oh, first of all, Love the food. <laughs> you got a great, great thing going here. Really loving it. I just thought that maybe it might be nice to dim the lights in the dining room. You know, maybe maybe after a certain a certain hour, maybe uh, you know, maybe eight o'clock. We had an eight o'clock reservation. Maybe eight o'clock. You dim the lights. We light the candles on the table, and this woman was having none of it. <laughs> and she wasn't like offended, but it's just like, yeah, you could tell she's been running it that way. There was no acknowledgement, and and then so immediately I'm like. Maybe people don't want feedback. Yeah, no, I, th- yeah. I mean, and my dad's thing was like, he's like, well, he's like, this is a supper club kind of in the middle of nowhere. He's like, this place is busy every weekend. They probably, you know, they're not looking to change they, Yeah, they feel like if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah, exactly. But I know like a guy like you, Danny, as a proprietor, you'd want feedback. Yeah, right? I think it's always good Unsolicited. To hear. Yeah, no, I, I love hearing feedback and my partners do as well. I think it, it may be unrealistic to expect immediate changes based on the feedback that was but not that was not my no expect, i don't my yeah, expectation I don't, was that the, no i for sure i'm that, just saying generally the, the waitress would the server would indulge my feedback yeah, nod and then it's they, a bizarre move there. as an owner to just immediately brush it off well who knows maybe. i think you have to pretend at least to be captivated by it and like oh that you know that's interesting great point we'll talk about it we'll, you know yeah maybe we'll do that yeah just to say no and you know, invalidate someone is not really hospitality. It's not that she flat out said no. It was just like something like something short circuited. Like there was no, she didn't know how to receive it, I guess, which made me feel, which then of course turned into me, Shannon and my dad backpedaling and talking about how great the food was, <laughs> which wasn't great food, but like, you know, we're, we're trying to overcome. Yeah. Maybe that feedback would have been more helpful. I mean, that's a harder thing to change than just turning a can yeah, light I down, agree. you know, yeah. that's a, that's Flicking free a and it takes 10 seconds. Yeah. Try, try it out. Well, anyway. to pivot a little bit, <laughs> this week's guest, uh, he's great, great guy. Uh, yeah, this was this was a fun mind. one. Yeah, he definitely entertained Tim and I. It was interesting to hear about his upbringing. He's kind of lived all over the city. Yep. He is a multifaceted character. He is an artist, a DJ, and most importantly to us, or in the context of this podcast, he's a chef doing really interesting stuff. <clears throat> and yeah, it shows a lot of love for the community, um, along with uh, you know his his boss, I guess Ed Mars. Uh, they do a lot for the Bridgeport community, mm-hmm. so it's cool to hear about those initiatives. Yep, and the relaunch of Kimsky 2.0, which is the same restaurant, yep. not a second restaurant. That's right. Uh, so without further ado, please enjoy our conversation with Juan Kim. You know, I just came across your, like, your project on Instagram. 
with where you guys like go explore different places like you did old-fashioned donuts and- oh yeah yeah so that's kind of uh that's a passion project of our uh, of mine uh we started off as a written blog called sleepings for suckers and then we my friend matt who is a video guy kind of updated it for us and uh incorporated video or, or was curious to incorporate video that was basically my ode to the nightlife and cultural things here in chicago where i basically rip on my friend's art shows because <laughs> um, it's funny and i like ripping on my friends that's how you know you're my friend i always tell i always joke and say if i'm being really polite to you, you should worry you know if i fucking start ripping on your sister or your dog or whatever then we're good buds um, yeah that does seem to be true yeah right it's I mean, it's, to it's a love hate thing to. yeah, yeah. Because i'm comfortable and then uh tim's definitely the meanest to me <laughs> it's true it comes out in the pot I, I could tell i could definitely tell that's why he wears the hat but yeah so that became you know and, and it combined all three of the things i love to do you know like painting uh music and food related things so it was only natural to kind of move it into modern contemporary things with the video element and yeah. adding music and doing all the post-production things. But it, it, it is still very much a kind of, you know, my ode to the city that I just like to do just for fun. Yeah, it's cool. And, yeah. and I, I could tell that the, it's funny, the song selections that you put on those reels, I was like, these are some good songs. Then I also saw that you were a DJ as yep. well. Yep. And, and so that's, uh, those, those are a lot of the songs that I love to play out and I just love to listen to. And, you know, it's, it's hard uh, being a DJ in like the golden era of hip hop, like yeah. the late 90s, early 2000s, because that's what you gravitate towards, as, yeah. you know, because there's so much that I've that I, I'm missing as well. There's like a whole subculture within the underground stuff I was listening to to try to make myself look cool or independent back then. And I just realized that there is a whole nother category of like real heads type, you know, hip hop that existed that I wasn't privy to uh, until now. So it's like I'm playing catch up, but I, at the same time, I don't want to be like the old guy that's like, oh, you know, my era's music's the best, yeah. you know, fuck all this new shit. <laughs> yeah. uh, but honestly, the new shit's all starting to sound the same too. <laughs> the whole idea of like the trap versus drill versus mumble rap stuff, it all kind of, it all, it's all kind of just coming to a head, I feel like. Yeah. And it's, and you know, the same thing happened in the 90s when, you know, pr- there's only like five producers doing all the songs. So all the beats were sounding the same, which made it super mixable, which made you sound really awesome at your craft. So I think there's a lot more variations, a lot more different styles uh, playing out now, which makes it interesting for DJs to kind of mix between genres and different time periods and stuff. Yeah. So what are your favorite, like, golden era stuff? I mean, how obscure, like, Gangstar or, like, Quest the Mad Lat, you know, Latif and Lyrics Born? I mean, run the, I mean, yeah, based on labels, you know, there were obviously, like, Payday Records, uh, anything premiere produced. Uh, Ninja Tunes was a huge thing for me. Um, anything uh, that DJ Shadow touched or in that in that genre, in that camp, you know, Souls of Mischief, Hieroglyphics, yeah. that area of the Bay. Um, but I was an East Coast hip-hop kid. I, I loved Biggie. I loved Premier Beats. I loved like Jerry, uh, Large Damage Professor. Out. Yeah, all of those guys. I mean, and that, that all came from Premier's camp, you cool. know. Yeah, for sure. Even all the one-hit wonders like Blase, Blase, that was a Premier hit. And then, um, you know, you know, we got the roots, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, obscure stuff, I would say. I, I mean, I don't think MF Doom is that obscure anymore. Yeah. 
but so good. I, I, you know, I grew up listening. I just gravitate towards the weird, abstract hip hop stuff, and I liked a lot of the London uh, beat scene and stuff like that as well. And I'm starting to sound like a aging hipster by no, saying the I beat scene, yeah, you know, cool. but. Uh, yeah, I grew up with all that kind of stuff because uh, my friends were into it, and they would introduce me to uh, all this, all the different kind of vinyl, all the imports. You know, when Gramophone was still a shithole, uh, shithole in the wall record shop in Lakeview. You know, it, it was it was a treat to go in there and just thumb through the records. You know, going yeah. through that whole process was always so interesting and fascinating to me. And I always grew up curious about everything I did, so I would always go that extra step and. And be that weirdo that would take the bus or train to go see one wall and take a disposable camera pic of it <laughs> for my own memory's sake. Yeah. And and you know, as an adult now, I'm I'm realizing what seems so far away back then because I use public transportation. It's, you know, it's so much closer within city city limits when you have a car when you have access to different modes of transportation, and I. And this is this is why I feel like people that don't know about cultural things or you know cool like artsy alternative lifestyles is there's it's it's so, it's so fucking lazy to me I don't know like yeah. I think not having a phone and not being glued to a screen gave me the freedom to, and the curiosity to want to discover the city and be adventurous and it wasn't really even being adventurous I just didn't want to get jumped or killed you know <laughs> yeah. so you know you develop street smarts and stuff like that and then doing graffiti you know you kind of like scan the whole city in that sense and yeah. you get to f discover a lot of cool little streets and nooks and corners and stuff like that and you know that's what the fuck was the question no, no oh I'm yeah sorry. so <laughs> like yeah britney spears was my was my shit back then <laughs> anything neptune's produced was awesome as well but that's a little later after the golden era that's post golden yeah. era but Chaff seeing that transition from like the underground quote unquote to the neptune style of making beats and making beats for like more pop culture -y things yeah. i think that was a great transition uh <laughs> but yeah no so it's funny because you, you mentioned like the you know the exploration you're from west rogers park now you live in beverly it seems like so you've kind of gone yeah, expand the, the city yeah, yeah i didn't think about that the yeah furthest, uh went from evanston to evergreen park essentially yeah yeah it's crazy have you lived in places in between yes i lived in bucktown gold coast south loop wow uh so lakeview i've done it all wow. everything in between and you know and you know I am that old man that's like, oh, you know, this neighborhood used to be something else. <laughs> you could have this here. You hope you're enjoying that ice cream cone because back then they'd have a bullet in it. Uh, I'm did, one of those fucks. And yeah. did you, were you always interested in food as long as you've been interested in music? Were they kind of simultaneous? Uh, no, they, they all happen in different parts of my life. I think, you know, as I get older, I'm starting to evaluate uh what what used to drive me and why I am the way I am, I think the food thing was always instilled in me. You know, that was something important that my parents or my mom definitely always, you know, made sure we were well fed uh, despite her schedule and our upbringing and stuff like that. So that was always important, watching her not struggle per se, but just just figure it out for us. Yeah, you know, what she was, was the favorite? One, uh, favorite you know, meals, you know, it's the simple stuff, you know, her kimchi with rice and soy sauce and butter and an egg on top. You know, she would always do the classics for us. 
uh, a lot of stews, a lot of soups. You know, the, ban, the idea of the banchan thing, you know, it's, it's, it's almost self-preserved, so it doesn't, it won't rot as easily. I mean, that's kind of where, like, the whole bibimbap thing comes in. You know, that's, that's utilizing all the almost gone bad banchan and making it a whole new dish so that the flavor profile is different, you know, yeah. at, at the end mm-hmm. of the day. So that idea of not growing up super wealthy, um, but utilizing everything she could uh, to mix, you know, the Western style cooking with Eastern and, you know, roots style cooking. I think she tried to acclimate us into that world uh, the best she could. And some of them were misses, but, you know, we were... When we were younger, you know, all kids are dicks, so we never re- <laughs> we never realized how hard our parents worked. You know what yeah. I mean, or oh, yeah. how how hard it was for them to make it seamless. So, I always had an appreciation for food, and I'll always say this about my brother that he was a picky eater, even though he'll always deny it and he'll <laughs> always talk shit to me every time I say it. Now it's on the record. Yeah, yeah. now it's on record. I've said it multiple times. And it's <laughs> official. There's but, our full quote. Yeah. But I was... <laughs> My brother's a little I, I, I ate everything. I ate fucking everything that yeah. she threw at me. And what seemed weird back then, obviously, was normal to, to us growing up. So the idea of using oysters and shrimp paste and kimchi wasn't that foreign to me. But it was disgusting to my friends, obviously, because <laughs> they're they're terrible. You know, kids are terrible. And again, if you're friends with terrible kids, they're going to be terrible to you as a sign of love and a <laughs> yeah. sign of, you know, respect or whatever. But um, I, I ate everything growing up and my mom would always make things based off of things I liked. I loved mushrooms growing up. So she would always throw mushrooms into things that n- never had mushrooms. So it's like Tim. <laughs> you like mushrooms too? Yeah, yeah Danny. Uh, Different like type of mushrooms. Oh yeah, nice. Oh fuck yeah. Yeah, I wish my mom was. I wish my mom knew about that shit. Back Danny then. doesn't know, but I uh, dosed his spin drift. Oh nice. <laughs> so, this interview's gonna get weird. Yeah, it's gonna get real wack. I'm glad there's a camera on you. <laughs> it all makes sense. Um, it's all a setup. It's an intervention setup. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, so you know, I, I had an appreciation for food all the time, and then. <laughs> I I realized something my mom said when I was in high school when I was deciding about colleges and stuff. I, you know, I had a little interest about going into food, the world of food, and you know all that stuff. And I remember my mom was really into it. She was like, "Yeah, if you're going to food, we will help you as wow, best we as best cool. we can." It's very cool. And I was like, "You know what? If you like it, and it, you know, food becomes a thing, I'm not gonna like it anymore." So, <laughs> you know, stupid fucking teen. I I said no back then. Yeah. I was like, I'm going to be a, an actor, a radio star type guy. And then, you know, I, I did get into a really prominent theater school at DePaul for the tech program. It took me, you know, I, I worked really hard to get in that program. And then I left it a year later because it sucked. Because <laughs> yeah. I figured, like, if this is the best of the best. Yeah. And I'm going to have to work with these, you know, pretentious fucks in the future. I don't want any part of it because they were terrible. Yeah. Uh, had a really hard time in college. And then I don't know why I got into radio. I took a year off of school, tried to finish some prerequisites, and then uh, went into school for radio. And then Sirius came out. Yeah. <laughs> some radio came out. I was like, fuck! <laughs> I can't do shit. And I'm done. And then, you know, this whole time I was slowly getting, you know, going to shows, getting into art 
doing graffiti here and there. And, you know, always still always had an appreciation for food. I always look forward to meals with my parents, always look forward to eating out, trying new things. Um, and, you know, I had a lot of my friends went towards a food route and not because of passion driven or anything, because just because they needed some money and they're just like, well, you know, there's restaurants are always hiring. Yeah. Yeah. Which I always felt to be weird. Um, back then the 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 food journey kind of came a little later in life after i got burned out from doing a lot of art and trying to make that work and music and then that weird recession in like what 2008 yeah yeah. eight or nine or whatever that happened and everyone just kind of stopped paying for cool creative things because they're you know (laughs) it's funny because the the middle class thought they were going to get really hit by this thing and i was like you guys are safe there's nothing like you guys aren't making millions of dollars this this, that recession really geared towards like you know people that were making a lot of money you know they had investments and stuff like that you know but or people living beyond their means right exactly so security crisis so everyone freaked out and they were like, oh, well, we can't pay for this kind of thing anymore. And you know, we got to really watch our budget. And then I almost had a inkling to just pack up and move to New York. And I really was on, I was really about to do that and just ready because I was like, well, there's only so much I can do in Chicago here with everyone freaking out and worrying. And I noticed that the only thing making money were bars <laughs> and, and restaurants. They were still opening up everywhere. There were still people in droves wasting their money getting shit housed. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> recession proof, but not uh, pan- right. Not pandemic. Proof. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And I saw this one kid. <laughs> I forgot his name. I hope he doesn't listen. But he was wearing <laughs> his chef fan. whites from uh, culinary school, and I was like, "Who the f- who the fuck are you? Like, what? How did? How are you in culinary? You suck. How are you in culinary school?" <laughs> He was like, oh, they just accept everyone. I was like, if you can do it, I definitely can do it. I'm way better than you. you know? so I, I hate to break it to you, man. Yeah, but you I was, suck. I was You're like, fucking out. I'm fucking in. But like, the thing is, he was, he was in his chef white, his yeah. checkered pants, his kitchen shoes, his stupid fucking hat, and his cravat. I'm like, why are you wearing all this shit outside? We're just trying to have some pizza, man. Like, are you trying to get discovered? Like, you think Thomas Keller is going to walk in and be like, that's the dude right there. He has all of his shit. He's ready to go. Whether he's eating pizza at a shitty dive bar or, you know, whatever the case, that dude's re- dressed and ready. He's pulling him off the bench. Right. And like, I don't think that's how it works. It's weird wearing all that shit on your sleeve. And I was like, well, I think I can do better than you. And then that, and then I signed up the next day <laughs> for culinary school just to just just to challenge myself because I had nothing going on. Which I was one like, was it? Kendall? No, it was uh, it was way worse. It was the uh, fucking chic. Okay. Yeah, and I realized uh, a few months in that that was a cash cow. Uh, I remember one of the professors, fucking professors, my ass. Uh, <laughs> one of the cooks that was teaching there, he set aside some special students to help with a special project. It was his catering job. We were prepping his catering job during class. Oh, that's my great. God. And, you know, in hindsight, I'm like, dude, that's a fucking great hustle. Like, <laughs> way to use, like, way to use free labor yeah. Yeah, and right. then call it special and label it, you know. I just I just chopped faster than everyone else. That's the only reason why I was special because he saw that I could get it done much faster. So, you know, s- stuff like that kind of compounded in my head. And I was like, oh, this is just a scam. Uh, we started with 30 people, I remember, in my uh, class, and we only ended up finishing with eight. 
Wow. I was one of the eight. And I told the other seven, I'm like, don't ever open a restaurant because you guys are terrible fucking cooks. <laughs> I told them. Um, so you know, I, I was like, I would never eat at your shithole place. Like, I already fucking know. <laughs> the know? eight of us were dumb enough to hang in here this long. I mean, honestly. We can't do anything in the industry. And honestly, they, I don't think any of them, I don't see any of them out in the industry at all. And <laughs> I, I, I feel like for a good reason, that. you know? And I realized that they were... They were accepting everyone because the government was paying for their tuition, which went straight to them. So it was basically free money. Yeah. And those stupid Messermeister knives that they give. First thing I saw on the on the on the back blade was made in China. Mm. So they're bragging about this German steel, and then that wasn't. Yeah. That was you know of course of course it's made in China though, and <laughs> all the other things, all the other mantras that they were spitting at us. I was like this this can't be it. Like there's no fucking way. That this is what this is what the industry looks like right now. So um, there's always this one story I tell about we were doing mother sauces, and <laughs> there was this girl. <laughs> I finished first because uh, I'm impatient, and you know when you finish first, we all as a team have to collectively w- clean together so that we could all get out faster. And as as other students started finishing and trickling into the dish pit area, we were all just kind of hustling. You know, there was this one fucking girl. I forgot what the sauce was, but you mount like a whole pound of butter into like an ounce of demi glace or whatever the fuck it is. Yeah. So it's like, and you're supposed to use like a teaspoon for like a 16 ounce steak, right? She's turned it into <laughs> soup and was eating her fucking sauce that she melted one pound of butter into, oh. like soup, not cleaning. That's when I was like, She's about to get cut. And if she doesn't, <laughs> I'm gonna disgusting. cut myself. This is bullshit. And <laughs> butter uh, soup. Yeah, it was so gross. And I was like, "Are you fucking done? Are you enjoying your lunch?" It's also 9:30 a.m. We started at six, and you're eating a pound of butter. Get well, your fucking ass into well, the dish pit. What school was this again? <laughs> fucking uh, chic. Oh my god, they they sponsor the show. Do they really? They no, fucking no, suck. No, no, I don't give no, a no, shit no, if they do. No. Are they still around? No, they got oh. they got uh, uh, sued. Oh really? Yeah, Are they, you? they closed. I, no, I'm <laughs> too lazy to go through that. I mean, I'll do a lot of things, but the 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 the, the process of <laughs> of law is not one of those things. Yeah. I'm not good at it. Um. So okay. So you graduate. From this program, well, I didn't even graduate. I just I left. All right, so you're one of the yeah. eight that makes it at least to the yeah, yeah. very end. And then how did you get into the elite eight? Yeah, the elite eight. <laughs> yeah, the elite eight. Uh, <laughs> well, so during this whole time, again, you know, there's a lot of parallels. So basically, while I was in school, I was still working in kitchens and helping friends out and still painting and uh, trying to make ends meet that way. Uh, so. Through those connections of helping friends out, like I was everyone's wild card because I didn't want to commit to a 60-hour week right out the gate. I mean, I went in kind of late. I, I was like 29, 28 when I went to culinary school. So, that's, you know, in my book, I was always taught that, like, you're supposed to go in and when you're 15 or 16 and then become this master chef by yeah. 24 and then CDC at 28 and, you know, executive by 32 or whatever. So I didn't follow that timeline at all. I was, I was, I felt I was mad late on everything, and then, you know, I, I just kind of floated. I, I loved, you know, the recession was over. That, you know, whatever fucking depression that people want to say was, was, was done, and everyone was spending money again. And Goose Island actually reached out, and back when they were cool, <laughs> they would, 
they would they hired me to do a lot of chalkboard art because I was at Whole Foods at the time as as well. So I was working at Whole Foods, going to culinary school, painting, doing all the stuff I could as much as I can. And Whole Foods offered me a job to do uh, chalkboard art. Goose saw Goose saw that from Clybourne. They recruited me there, and I was doing part-time there. <laughs> and then the actual barrel warehouse, when they did events, hired me to do chalkboards, and they paid very well. Oh, wow. So that kind of floated me for a while. And, you know, to this day, I'm still grateful for them because they still do awesome stuff and hook me up with things. And during that whole time, at Whole Foods, they had a demo kitchen upstairs, and I was still in culinary school. I remember the demo chef there. Her one job was to run this weird workshop where they pair a country with uh, REI because they're like an outdoorsy global company supporting hikes and whatever the fuck they do. (laughs) And they did this one weird program, and the chef there would always complain if, if there were 10 attendees that signed up and like two, and the marketing team was like, well, you know what? There's just two more people that just want to come up. It's, it was like a $15 class or whatever. She would freak out and be like, there's no way I can get, where am I going to get more ingredients? I'm like, <laughs> downstairs, because we're a giant grocery store. Yeah. And this is pre-Amazon. So it's a giant grocery store with awesome products, organic. You can literally just go downstairs and get it. What's the big fucking deal, right? <laughs> It's also a $15 class. Like, no one gives a shit. Yeah. Where on earth are we going to find more produce? Right. I'm like, <laughs> did you look down the stairs? <laughs> so the marketing team kind of got tired of that, and they just kind of let it go, or she quit. I forgot what the deal was. And then I kind of just jumped in. I, I'm one of those people I just like to just jump into the fire and figure it out. And they, I offered myself to the marketing team. I was still a part-time store artist, and... I told him I was in culinary school and that uh, I would love nothing more than to utilize and try out new ingredients and just see what things taste like, blah, blah, blah. And then they took a chance on me and they let me do it under, like, under the table. And the program took off because I'm a dick and <laughs> people think it's funny when I say swear words. <laughs> but I also cared for the food. I actually did give a shit about the food. And every country, I actually did research. I went downstairs, tested it, you know, off the clock and whatever. And then that led to one thing, and I started going to beer, went to beer route. I was like, well, you know, I do these underground home, home brewing parties, and it'd be awesome if we could do, like, a beer pairing dinner with some actual breweries and blah, blah, blah. And then kind of just weasel my way in here and there, and I kind of made myself a marketing chef and created a position there. And at the same time, again, I was still doing art, still taking DJ gigs, and still working at Whole Foods as a store artist. And basically, this, you know, the idea of hustling, you know, that's that's just kind of how my my mind works with everything. So after that, you know, for three or four years of that, and then I would always go to Maria's and drink on Mondays because uh, it was always quiet. It was always away from everyone, and it was just far away enough so that I felt like I was nowhere near my neighborhood, and I felt like I was actually going somewhere. It felt nice. And they used to do these uh, Industry Monday things where they do Polish sausage with shitty jarred kimchi, and they would, it, it kind of took off because Maria's was a cool bar. And every week they would have a, there would be a different industry person kind of offering, like, oh, you know, I make my own mustards, or I make my own kimchi, and you know, make my own sausage. And then that idea kind of compounded over the, over, over the years that I was going there to drink. 
and I offered uh, a plate up of the the, sh the cheap uh, Polish thing because people were taking advantage of it. Yeah. Because as we talked about before, people are selfish assholes. <laughs> and, you know, they would buy PBR and get like three Polishes. And I was like, that's bullshit. This is like a mom and pop operation. Yeah. You know, you're like, yeah, trying to yeah. hustle and get one over on them. So I offered one day, I was like, well, I'll be the guy behind the table. And I'll just serve up their one Polish sausage for you if you like. <laughs> the enforcer. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so I did like this bullshit Swanier presentation about Polish sausage. It was like a deconstructed Polish sausage. <laughs> Mind you, this was like eight or nine years ago. And, you know, the 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 partners, uh, Ed and Mike, were like, oh, this this guy's portioning it. And he doesn't care what people think. <laughs> uh, and I was enforcing it because I was like, I, you, you don't take advantage of these people. You know, yeah. they're being really nice, giving you free food to begin with. And then I did a few pop-ups there. And then I, I, I was veering towards helping a friend out with his whole pig cook, cookery, doing pop-ups. Um, again, not kind of avoiding the 60, 70 hours a week that my friends were working in. And then I would just hop in, help out friends at food shows if someone called off. And this is pre-pandemic, so not a lot of call-offs back then because people actually fucking worked and made mm -hmm. money. So I was always that guy that was always available for like random gigs or random shifts. I loved it because it was just so random that it, it kind of brought a new perspective, hopping around kitchens and stuff or food shows and meeting people. And then one thing led to another at Maria's. Ed was like, hey, we're going to do this expansion to, you know, get more seats on the bar side. And we want to open a snack shop like the one uh, mom used to have back then, referring to Maria mm -hmm. and the family. And I said, no, absolutely not. <laughs> I love my life right now. I'm free. I have an open schedule. I yeah. can take on good gigs. I can do murals. And... No, like I don't want to commit myself to that, and I don't know what happened. I got I got shit housed there all the time, and I walked down the bill so many times. And I think <laughs> well, I, I I I think I just felt bad one day, and I was like, yeah, you know what? I'll fuck it. Let's do it. Let's go for it. <laughs> and then I woke up, and I was like, shit, I have a fucking restaurant. I'm fucked. <laughs> and then yeah, fast forward seven years later, <laughs> here we are. Uh, Two Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's a weird thing. Like everyone, everyone read the 2.0 and thought I was opening another restaurant, and I was like, and it made me realize how little people read these days. <laughs> yeah. It was all my friends that didn't read the article. So, yeah, they just you read know, the I was headline. receiving text messages like, "Oh, when's the when's a new restaurant?" Where's like, read be? the fucking article, dickhead. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, where's it gonna be? Yeah. Like, is it gonna be Korean Polish? I'm like, no. Yeah, leave we, me alone. we live in a society of headlines. Oh, all day. Yeah. And um, I I've, I've been trying to be. You know, I used to be like that, too. But then I realized how stupid I sounded if I commented on something when it was in the article. <laughs> yeah. So I just stopped immediately. I actually just read the articles now. Or I'll read, yeah. like, at least a good third of it yeah. and get the gist first. You, you got to read the intro and the outro. And right. It's usually good. Yeah, like book reports. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, You don't need the meat of it. You just need the <laughs> yeah. beginning and end. Yeah. <laughs> how it started, how it ended. <laughs> so when Kimski first opened, how did you feel? Like, what was... How was it received? How did you feel? You know, you finally had this restaurant that you didn't necessarily even want. Um, was it more work than you anticipated? You know. Yeah, I mean, all of the above. Yeah, it was like the so much was trying to tank his own restaurant. Yeah, all, yeah honestly, I, I, I was definitely trying to tank everything, uh, <laughs> including myself. Uh, it was really hard. You know, I wasn't ready for it. And again, I threw myself into the fire. You learn a lot in the first three months. 
Yeah, um, like efficiencies and efficiencies, stuff. Efficiencies, uh, figuring out how to prep, figuring out ordering, cost, labor, um, how you know how you're you yourself are gonna you know make yeah. it or not. You know, I the first month, I I just you know there were moments I would just I would left the restaurant late because we were running out of food. We have to prep immediately after. That's in my mind. I'm just like that's the only way we got to do this right now. And then, I remember just one of the rides home. I was like, I don't think I could do this. I'm not cut out for this. It's so much work. Yeah. And to actually care for your employees at the same time and give a shit, you yeah. know. And not, I wasn't even thinking about profit. It was just more like, can I just do the work? Yeah, it's, it's overwhelming. It's so overwhelming, right? And then, and I lost my sous chef like two weeks before open too. So I was just uh, going into the what solo. What was the deal there? Uh, he kind of relapsed and mm-hmm. then just kind of, uh, rough. yeah, it is rough and he's doing much better now. He has a kid and I'm super stoked and happy for him, but it just wasn't a good fit. You yeah. Know, it was no one's fault. Really. We just didn't know what we were doing. Yeah. Um, so in that car ride home where you were like, I don't know if I can keep doing this. How, like, was that day one, week two, you know, where uh, that you? was like after week one. Yeah. Um, day one was like, was a blur, you know, we, yeah. we introduced the concept uh that no one's ever heard of it was it was a joke honestly you know like the yeah. uh ed and mike are korean and polish so i was just like well this is either going to be a joke that works really well or a joke that's going to fucking tank and we're going to have to i'll just leave it's fine yeah but uh the joke worked out really well and <laughs> it's lasted a while hence the the the, the, the new direction with the food but you know, I'll never forget that first year. You know, it's just you just learn so much about the process and the respect for the work and the labor and the people yeah. that help make it work. And you know, it's 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 so applicable to everything that that you're passionate for. You know, you either you either you either jump ship or you sink with the ship. You know that you're on and the team that you're with. Yeah. So I had a lot of thoughts of that. I was just like, well, I could. I can just quit and then it'll just all fade away or I can just really just apply myself and just really try to make this work for everyone else that's working hard with me, you know? And yeah, I I have no idea how the fuck we survived. I don't know (laughs) why people liked it. Honestly, I, you know, I was virtually a no name still, still a no name with all the other great restaurants coming in. And that same year, you know, Cafe Mary Jean opened, Oriole opened, and you know, we're to be in that class, to be in that uh, category yeah, with yeah. them, it's like, you, you know, do, blew my mind. You're doing a lot right. Yeah, I, I just didn't know what I was doing. Let's just say I don't know about right things. I just didn't know what I was doing. Did it get easier as you went along? Yes and no. I think once the hype goes away, then that's. I feel like that's when the real work happens because you yeah. have to really figure out how to get people in and what. Like, what sets you apart? What makes you interesting, right? You know, like, it's not just the food anymore. You know, there's so much on the business end, mm-hmm. so much in the collaboration, so much in the creative end, so much on just the marketing end of things. So, and, you know, times are, times are moving, like, so fast with technology and everything and the usage of quote, fucking quote-unquote influencers and even review sites even. You know, that's all, that all matters. Yeah. And I, yeah, I just, I did, I did my best to incorporate everything else I loved in my life. Like I had a lot of artist support, you know, I had a lot of DJ music support because I was trying to book DJs to come to Maria's, which in turn would bring their friends in 
all the all the assholes that were like, oh, I can't wait to try your food. They would they they would need a reason uh, other than me yeah. to come down. So whether that's music or art or whatever the fuck it is, like that's what drove people down. And I think figuring out a lot of programming, a lot of weirdo events that Ed and I came up with, uh, beer events, you know, chili cookoffs. We did dumpling battles, dumpling wars. You know, doing my community soup nights down the street. That that's all part of it all. Yeah. You know? <clears throat> Were there? Do you remember a meal in particular where you felt like a lot of pressure? Like it was a super VIP guest, <laughs> whether just important to you or a random celebrity or whatever, and just felt like, you know, a lot on the line. No, because. The way our restaurant is set up is it's counter service. It's not really like, it's not really. It wasn't never, it wasn't really conducive to like, fine dining, sit down, and you know you get the whole red carpet treat treatment. Yeah. And, you know, I just, well, my thought was like, I want to do counter service because I don't want to fucking talk to you, <laughs> the customer. I just want you to eat and get the fuck out. And then I realized like, oh shit, we're attached to Maria's, one of the best bars in the city, and it's huge now because of the, the expansion. Yeah. So we, I never really, yeah, the, my intention was never to be like, man, I really hope this brings in, you know, these kind of people or whatever. Yeah, or just someone important to Yeah, but like, like honestly, showing up. the, <laughs> I fucking wish, Daedalus <laughs> to come by and he was a, I, I love Daedalus's music. He randomly caught, stopped by. That's Joe cool. Guzzo knows him as well. Oh, nice. Um, I think like David Banner stopped in once. Oh, that's cool. Uh, the, the dude uh, from Mindhunters. Oh, which one? Uh, the the heavier guy. Oh, wow. yeah. oh I love yeah uh, that that guy. Tench, what's his yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, that guy came in. <laughs> that guy's awesome. Uh, our, our first celebrity uh, thing that we fed uh, was Modest Mouse. They oh, were doing that's cool. a tour, and their PA came to get food because they heard about us in some listicle. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But honestly, there there was one moment where, like it it was uh, there was this woman that came in with her son, a very young son, and. That was watching the son eat the food. It reminded me of me and my mom. Yeah. So that was like, I like had to go to the, I'm like tearing up now thinking about it. But watching him eat the food and be so curious and just look at it and eat it some more. Yeah. And his mom was, you know, it was like single mom type shit. And just, and they were right in front. So we have like a few seats and a few stools up front facing uh, 31st Street. And I remember just seeing the kid just be so curious about the food. He wasn't, he didn't know what he was eating. But he like down that whole sauce. Yeah, he was loving it. He loved, loved it, and I was yeah. like, "That that was me. That was me when I was that age." And that was my mom, That's who cool. like made me try new things. So I like went to the bathroom, broke down. I was like. Yeah, I was doing cocaine. Like that's that, that's why I went to the bathroom. I wasn't crying. I was doing a ton of blow, bro. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but you know that, that that moment sticks in my head, and I that's you great. Know, that's you know that moment. It's like, oh yeah, that's that's why I'm here. That's why I'm trying to do this, you know. And that's what's important to me now. So making sure people eat well. I yeah, think. it's a good perspective. I don't like them. I don't like people, but. I like some to feed people, them. Yeah. yeah, I like some people. <laughs> I always joke and say that I opened this restaurant for friends and family. You know, yeah. the strangers is what makes it work. <laughs> they're, they're the ones that pay all for all your bills. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Exactly. yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. This episode of Joiners is brought to you by Stock Manufacturing, makers of fine hospitality workwear. You obsess over the details in your space, so why stop at your staff's uniforms? Stock has something for every aesthetic. From fine dining to a corner cafe, they've got you covered. 
choose from in-stock ready-to-wear options, or design the perfect custom uniform for your team. For more information, visit stockmfgco.com. Yeah, so coming off of like the success of the first version, and then did you guys close in the pandemic, and then now 2.0, like how? We, st- we tried to stay open. And uh, I quickly realized that our food doesn't travel really well or uh, being dormant at all either. So we, Ed and I, we pivoted to a starting community kitchen and we were basically feeding every, and everyone and anyone in the neighborhood. We invited them into through the Maria side in the back. And we basically just did a pay what you can model like Panera Bread and and serviced as many people as we could through the whole winter of 2020. Wow. Uh, which ended up being a lot more work for me because <laughs> I, every week we were rotating uh, the food. Wow. And we wanted to help our restaurants too. So we were literally buying food from restaurants or I was hiring chefs to come in, make food for these families, you know, under safe, you know, under safe conditions and whatever. And having to delegate all that weekly, making sure we have a vegetarian option, two or three entree items, and a dessert. Nightmare. Uh, I'm sure you guys have worked with chefs and industry people in Mm -hmm. the past. Mm -hmm. They always overpromise under the liver. (laughs) They're always fucking late no matter what. (laughs) Always. And you were not late for the record. No, I'm he not early. Late. Yeah, I'm an early, early motherfucker. Yeah. If you his need, his just... handler was maybe a few minutes late. <laughs> it's funny. The handler was late. It's the complete opposite. Uh, so, yeah, we, we, we pivoted to that. And, you know, we thought it was important to make people feel human with good food instead of doing like a trough of shit. I used to volunteer in soup kitchens before, and I mm. saw what they were making. Mm. It was subhuman. It was dog food. It was just... Uh, pound of butter just in one ounce of <laughs> it wasn't even butter i mean <laughs> yeah. butter's too expensive for yeah. soup kitchens and it's not their fault either it's just yeah. donated stuff you just literally just a cauldron you know like the friday clam chowder put everything yeah. in put cream in it you know yeah and you know ed and i were like that doesn't make people feel whole that doesn't make people feel good about themselves it makes them feel actually more poor i feel like because they're eating gruel yeah you know soil and green type shit you know so we were like, let's get really it's good people. chefs. Yeah. Yeah. It's people. <laughs> let's get really good chefs, really good restaurants, and make really good food and make them feel good about coming yeah. in and it's grabbing great. whatever. And, you know, we don't, and, you know this, is, this wasn't limited to just Bridgeport. Uh, this is anywhere and everywhere. You know? And at one point, I even reached out to Simon Davies, who used to be the executive at Alinea, and he, he came in and made food for us for a week. That's cool. And I was like, this is, this is, this is where, like, you know, our industry is a particular type. It, it is all about hospitality because, you know, when we could all come together, it doesn't matter what level of food you're at or what, what your price point is. Like, if, if, you are decent, if you're a decent person and you give a shit about other people, then, you know, it doesn't matter yeah. what, what, what area you're in of food or what subgenre you're in. You're, you're going to want to help. And that's primarily the focus and goal of that program. And we still continue to this day. Every Wednesday, we still pass out 200 meals. When we can, oh, wow. yeah, and the government didn't help at all. We this was all funded through Ed's uh, non for profit, so they didn't do shit for us. We had to do it all by ourselves. Mm-hmm. That's not cool. No, but that's that's our government for you. Yeah. you that's know? why we did the fundraiser during COVID. I, mean, I know Maria's yeah. was on our list of. Uh, yeah, I mean that's the employees, and you know that that's the thing about our industry is like we are hospitable. We do care totally. It's a very close knit yeah. community. Yeah, the, you know, and the. 
granted, the negative stuff I bring up, you know, it's very few and seldom. It's just, I don't know why we as humans always like to focus on the negatives when there's so much other good coming in, you know? Because it's yeah. so fun to talk shit. It is. <laughs> it's it's so entertaining. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I, I need to focus on the good more. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if it's this fucking weird moonlight coming in yeah, my face. Yeah, it's the moonlight. Yeah, it's making it's me realize. Light. Yeah. It's a yeah. truth serum. Yeah. I feel like I'm an unborn baby looking at that little. I feel like that's what the fucking <laughs> uterus looks like to a baby. The baby's going to, or the doctor's going to come in and smack you. <laughs> yeah, there's going to be a random hand just coming out of that yeah. fucking moon pie. Usually Guzo just hangs out to smack people. <laughs> He'll get you on your way out. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about some uplifting stuff. Let's talk yeah. uh, pizza fried chicken ice cream. Uh, they're no longer. I know. Yeah. But, but how did how did the concept come out? It was one of my favorite pandemic oh, yeah. meals driving down there. And so good. Pizza. So uh, good. Those kids are super talented. Uh, they they used to run a thing called Eat Free Pizza, and uh, the hungry hound himself is who put me onto it. Delinsky uh, mentioned it, and I was like, "That sounds awesomely weird. I want to do that." And this is pre-pandemic, like right before pandemic, and you know it was one of those things where. They got really popular, obviously, because they're giving away free pizza out of their apartment. It was like kind of this weird concept, but like, you know, it was like a weird supper club type deal, right? Where people were doing pop-ups out of their house. Um, so they, they were one of them and, you know, they were getting rave reviews. So that means the hype is going to go up, which means it's going to be impossible to score a free pizza because they were only doing like eight a week yeah, in mm-hmm. one day. And I, I tried for months because I, I didn't want to be, you know, I didn't want to pull the whole, like, hey, I'm industry, you know, yeah. Mars Brewery, you like Mars, you like Maria's, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> I just wanted to do the the natural, organic way. And then, sure enough, I got in after a few months, the, the actual way, and they're, you know, we set it all up. I go to their apartment, and the pizza was some of the best I've ever had hmm. in the city. Uh, it was very refreshing to eat pizza that tasted like that and have the crust be like that. And I just started a conversation with them. It was three of them it was Cecily, Billy and Brad. And I was like, I need to bring in my business partner. Can we set up a time for him to try the pizza? Cause he's going to freak out. Cause Ed freaks out about everything. That's good. So set it up. You know, Ed brings a, like two cases of Mars beer. So we're, 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 we're all going to be good, you know, with the, with the beer. And then he brought on a couple other people from Mars, and, you know, that's all she wrote. Like, Ed had the pizza, freaked out. I freaked out again at how good it was, and we basically were like, what do you need? What do you need to open? Like, where are you guys at? Like, what do you want to do with this, you know? And then uh, one thing led to another, and then we, we uh, Pleasant House was moving out, uh, which were the neighbors on the other side of Maria's. Right. And then we... I always forget they were there. Yeah. 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 Oh. That was their first post. Yeah. that They were the food for Maria's at, right. at, at a certain point. Love their love their food still. Yeah, so yeah. good. <clears throat> so they, we renovated a space next door for them and got them whatever everything that they needed. And then they just rocked it out. The Sicilian was like... That thing was stupid good. And then uh, we, we ran the chicken, uh, the fried chicken part, and then uh, Dana did the uh, ice cream from Pretty Cool. Yeah. So we essentially created like this uh, weird small mini food court uh, on that corner next to us. And we also kind of checked off the rest of the food groups for Bridgeport, I feel like, <laughs> with pizza, fried chicken, and ice cream. Yeah. And we 
yeah, it was, it was a great partnership. And, you know, they, they're still rocking it in Westmont, which is awesome. Yeah. They're still doing their tavern Kim's stuff. Kim's uncle. Yeah, Kim's right. uncle. And um, I just saw them uh, last week. They're, they're doing great. Nice. Yeah. Their food was their, – their, their pizzas are great. Yeah. Have you heard of this Sid's Pizza? I have not. Guzo turned me on to it. I guess they do, like, pop-ups in, like, on, like Blue Island down in, like, Pilsen Oh, yeah, area. Sid's. I'm the one that hooked them up with. Uh, Mars. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's Tommy. I haven't tried it yet, and I yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Amazing. Yeah, so, <laughs> so funny. Uh, yeah, I, I I found them too. Uh, <laughs> basically, my job within the whole organization now is to just find awesome food and try to just set them up with pop up wise in Bridgeport. Yeah. Uh, again, that's that's part of like my ADD and passion for food. I feel like everyone has a good food voice, especially those that take the initiative to kind of put themselves out there. I'm like, if they, since they took a chance, I'll take a fucking chance. You know, mm-hmm. I'm not a huge restaurateur or anything, but I, I have a certain platform to get them, you know, to get their food out, to get their message out to a certain group of people. So Sid's was one of them as well. People raved about his uh, pizza, and I was like, well, we got two pizza ovens at Mars that are just sitting there, yeah. not doing shit. There's a whole fucking kitchen, actually, dedicated to pizzas. And, you know, I got him in there to, to do a test run, a batch, and now he's up to like three pop-ups out of Mars already. So That's awesome. like, you got to get to one. Yeah, I've I've heard great things. Um, I, I wouldn't mind. I want to check him out in Blue Island as well. Now that I'm only like ten minutes away from there. Yeah. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Um. So the the pizza. So now they're out in Westmont, and I yeah. I was looking at their website. Like I guess their centerpiece is that oven. Yeah. Is that was that similar to the style they were using in your kitchen? No, What's they were the they were using straight blodgets. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So like the classic blodgets, you know, like the deck oven pizza, um, same ones at at Vito and Nick's. Okay. Um, yeah. But yeah, the the one they're using at Westmont, it was like it it was it was built into the, the restaurant. Yeah, it came with it. Yeah, right? yeah. That's and cool. It was like a vintage, you know, has a nice little cursive thing, whatever the fuck. So when you're looking, not that you're like out searching for these spots that you want to shine a, a light on, but what what sort of concepts appeal to you? What's kind of the criteria other than being delicious? Is, uh, there, is there an appeal to things being undiscovered? Well, now, yeah. Well, yeah, delicious was is, is always the most important thing to me. Um, what what I think the neighborhood would need, like Bridgeport or Beverly even, um, what I think they're, you know, in my opinion, what whatever cuisine is missing from these neighborhoods, I want to, I want to, I want to support. You mm-hmm. know, I want to, I want them, I want the neighbors to try the community. So like, I'm looking towards a lot of Vietnamese, Thai. There's not a lot of good places in the South Side. Yeah. Um, surrounded by jerk egg rolls, apparently, <laughs> but uh, not like classic Vietnamese or Thai food and Cambodian, even like anything Southeast Asian. Um, I'm very into these days, but, um, yeah, it was just basically based on needs and I, what I think would interest the neighbors and, uh, what I think would be beneficial for the pop-up and the neighborhood to, you know, synergize, let's just say, <laughs> uh, so that they can make money and make a living. So, yeah. um, whether that's in the form of selling prepared foods or like, uh, like hot food on the spot, you know, it's. It's all varied. I just I just try to make it interesting because mm-hmm. I think you know we're we're entering this this weird gray area of pop ups and everyone kind of being like oh I grew up with this one dish that's awesome you know I want to share it with the world or whatever but you know make sure it makes some money at the same time you mm-hmm. know stuff like that so I I kind of want to amplify what I can for them but 
after this weird sabbatical I took, I realized that a lot of them don't know how to clean commercial kitchens. Mm. That they're not good at the uh, the back end so gotta, of it. You got to teach them. Yeah, I, you know, and that wasn't my job. But, you know, I got them in. I got them a space for a month. Yeah, and you didn't want to have to do whatever. Yeah, um, sanitation consultant. Right, and we, had, we ended up doing a deep clean a couple times out of all the pop ups that happened. Yeah. And I was like, quickly realized I'm like, okay, so you guys know how to make the food. You don't know how to do anything else, uh, which is fine, but. It's, you know, those are the kind of things that separate the brick and mortars from the pop-ups. Yeah. That's the trade-off, though. If you cook, you don't clean. Absolutely. That's how, that's how it works in my <laughs> yeah, house. At, a, at your house. cooking, Shannon does the dishes. I do both. I do both in my house. Oh, no. And that's fine. Um, so with Kimsky 2.0 and kind of overseeing all these new pop-ups and stuff, is that, your, like, how are you balancing your time? Uh, as of now, we've been open for about a, almost a month. I've been just at the restaurant. And okay. I just, it's, it's, it was crazy. All these weird opportunities came up towards the end of my quote unquote sabbatical. Uh, I, I was coming off a 10 day food tour with, uh, this guy, optic gaming. He runs optic gaming and his graphic designer is like a video game platform. We did like a, a food show thing for YouTube. We went to five cities in 10 days, and we painted in every single city and had to eat wow. in, like, five or six restaurants. That oh. sounds very fun. Sounds very fun, but it's actually very exhausting <laughs> just to be on that schedule and to fly. Like, did you have, like, a favorite eat? Or El Paso city? was... Uh, okay. So we did all five cities in Texas, like, okay, five major it. cities. So we did El Paso, San Antonio, Houston, Dallas, Fort Worth, and Austin. Nice. And El Paso stood out the most. Wow. That city was incredible. Like, just rustic. Like, because right on the border... Texas, so all the yeah a lot yeah. of a lot of stewy type uh, things mm. wildly different from anything we ate in the other cities or even the Midwest. Wow, uh, where I grew up thinking corn tortillas were king because that's what everyone says. Out there, everyone's like flour all day. Hmm. We don't even fuck with corn. We don't even get corn. I like a flour tortilla. I'll come I do on too. Yeah. I I am very much into flour tortillas. It's very, mm. it's, it's bready, you yeah. know. So it's comforting almost. Mm-hmm. I don't hate a corn, but I prefer a flour right. tortilla. I prefer uh, after that trip. I would like I prefer flour all day. And the, the other cities we went to use flour tortillas as well. Mm. So so yeah, I was coming off of that ten day tour. Ended in I flew back on the thirtieth. I did like a weird. Uh, I didn't. It's not, it wasn't weird. I did a career day in high school for uh, my neighbor's high school, and then went straight into work. And I haven't stopped. And I haven't painted a wall. I haven't done anything. I've DJ. I've done a couple of DJ gigs here and there, but on my days off. So it's been just kind of figuring it out. It was almost like we're reopening. Yeah. Because we're doing a new menu and we're doing a new process of things, and we streamlined a lot. So we're prepping a lot more. So that the cooks don't have to do as much. Yeah. Um, How's it going? The new iteration. It's it's going great. Honestly, we cool. we figured out a lot of things. A lot of I wouldn't say mistakes in the past, but just a just a newer way to streamline things and try to maximize profitability. Uh, we're we're trying to actually make money this year <laughs> instead of being the weird kids in Bridgeport making weird food, quote unquote, yeah, for fun. Yeah. So now we're in the on the side of like, hey, let's portion everything. Let's make it idiot proof to the um degree you know um so it's not a joke anymore officially it's still a joke okay it's always gonna be a joke the fact that i even have a restaurant or a business and it's always gonna be a joke because i'll never take myself too seriously but uh we're again the, there's this new iteration I, I'm, I'm really confident about the food the food looks great 
Um, it's it's not so like quote unquote street style. You know, everything comes on real plates now. I, I ditched the disposables because they're so fucking expensive. Yeah. And it it actually made sense to put it on real plates now. And now that I have the team to like help facilitate all that, it made a huge difference. And I think the food, the way it looks and tastes, I think it reflects all of it. Yeah, that's great. Oh, yeah. Um, anything you want to talk about before we get to the gratuity round? Oh yeah. I heard about this. Um, <laughs> Dave didn't tell me anything about the questions, though. But, uh, yeah, I, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I'm trying to think of. Like advice for maybe the younger generation trying to get into the food world. Yeah, how about you just show up for a fucking interview? <laughs> how about you just show up on time and yeah. communicate? We've had so many stages just not tip. show. Yeah. yeah. I think communication is key. I think the thing that I've been noticing is a lack of communication. I lost one dishwasher after he agreed to jump on board with us because he didn't tell me that he was uh, in line for another job. We've Mm. had like that happen a trillion times. A trillion times. But it doesn't make it any better. It doesn't make it okay, in my opinion. So frustrating. So, and I'm petty. I'm a fucking petty person. So I'm hoping this fuck loses his job so that he could come back to me and be like, yeah, come on in. The last minute and be like, actually, I'm good. <laughs> yeah. Stay home. He's not our sponsor, is he? I'm this guy. I hope he is too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Between him and Sheik, yeah, like Sheik. I could fucking burn this fucking place down. Uh, but yeah, so shit like that, it, it irks the shit out of me still. Yeah. Like communicate. If you're going to be late, 20 minutes, just, just text me. Because honestly, it's going to be way worse if you don't. Yeah. You know, and this, this whole idea and uh, like I get anxiety and stress. Like I... I fucking get it, but I can't, I don't know how to safely say this. Uh, that's some bitch ass shit when people are just like, oh, I dropped a fork in the floor. I got to go home. Yeah. It's like, really? Did that, did that really trigger? What the fuck did that trigger in your head? Memory wise? Like, unless you got jabbed in the fucking face with that fork, I don't see it. I don't see why you have to go home for that. Um, but like it. <laughs> But that kind of stuff they communicate like wildly now. Yeah. Like what bothers them in their little bubble. Yeah. But they don't communicate <laughs> why, you know They don't show up for a shift. Or, why they don't show up for a shift or why don't yeah. they don't do their jobs. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Everyone's gotten really like I don't know, they got really self important all of a sudden. Yeah. And it's 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 been a weird it's been a weird navigational thing with people. Uh, someone told me that uh, one of their employees got freaked out because he didn't want to take the surf safe, and he was getting anxiety from getting constantly reminded. I'm like, that's take the surf safe. I'm yeah. like, that is required by law. Are you yeah. fucking stupid? <laughs> yeah. How are you getting? T- he got a note from a psychiatrist saying, "Stop asking him to take a surf safe." I'm like, fire him then. Yeah, he needs that. And he got yeah. fired. Yeah. Oh, I'm like, man. you want to know stress? Get fired from a job for a stupid fucking reason mm. and see how easy it is to get hired again that, when you have to tell them story. that's what it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So there's shit like that floating around everywhere. And, you know, none of us, all of us, again, are in this weird, uh, confined space of having the same issues, you know, with, with people, employees, customers. Like, doesn't matter, again, what doesn't matter, we're coming together in this communal way because of the shit that we have to deal with. Yeah. And every single mom and pop to three-star Michelin, all the same. Yeah. You know, that, that is one thing we could all agree on, which is nice. <laughs> um, but it's not nice because the customers are accustomed to a certain 
lifestyle in a certain way because we all treat people differently. Yeah. Like, I, I answer questions brutally honest if you come into the restaurant because that's what you're asking. So people think that's rude when I'm honest. Yeah. It's weird because everything's so sugar-coated everywhere else. Right. And it's so gentle. I'm like, you ask a stupid question, yeah, you, you, a you get answer. a stupid answer. What, yeah. What's a good example of a... Uh, what's good here? <laughs> Bitch, everything's good. I'm taking your... I don't know who the if fuck you are. it's on the menu, are. it's... I am it, literally it taking far. a stranger's money. Yeah. It has to be good. Yeah. Because I'm insecure, you know, I'm a little man. <laughs> like, it's fucking good. It has to be good. Or what would I like? I just met you. I have no idea who the fuck you are, what you ate in your <laughs> lifetime, what your allergies are. I have no idea who the hell you are. How the hell do I know what you like to eat? You know what I mean? <laughs> Shit like that. It's, yeah. it's stupid. It's a stupid question. <laughs> and they think they're being clever. You know, that's the worst part. Um, I got one that was, uh, what was it? This this wasn't what the ordering process was. Someone busted in through our door and started ordering, just spewing out orders with a beer in his hand. He was wasted. It was like 3.30 p.m. He didn't read the sign that says closed. He just opened the door anyways. Almost knocked me off a ladder. I was like, yo, what are you doing, man? We're not open. He wrote a review immediately. They said I verbally accosted him, even though he almost knocked me off my And you weren't even open. We weren't even open. (laughs) I was like, verbally accosted? That's dramatic. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I remember his face, and I I Google searched him. (laughs) I Google searched him. Yeah, police sketch, yeah. I Google searched him, and I found out he was a student down the street. I was like, okay, well, fuck him. He's banned. Uh, I had a lady that worked for the comptroller throw food at my staff. Uh, it was all, and then she wrote a review and said that we were terrible, blah, blah. I'm like, to the video. Saw the video, reviewed it, and I was like, hey, comptroller, come get your girl. She's yeah. lying about every step of this review, mm-hmm. and she's trying to sink us because she thinks she has power on, on, on the Internet. Like, no one has power on the Internet. <laughs> and uh, she got fired. And, wow, I, and she tried wow. to call and apologize. I'm like, you're only apologizing because you got caught. Yeah, you yeah. don't truly feel this way about it because yeah. uh, you – Left four reviews on four different platforms. You're so angry about your lies, you know? Yeah, Lily and Joe from Nine Bar, they had, like, someone in Chinatown was just writing all these awful reviews about them for no reason. And it was, like, a rival restaurant. No, the reason was that they were... Successful. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they're doing <laughs> the right thing. they felt insecure. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's so weird, right? Yeah. That's awful. not how the industry works. No, it's not supposed to. But well, petty, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Well, I, no, no, it's good. Yeah. All right. No, we transition love, we love to a good this. review rant. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Lighthearted gratuity round, too. Let's go. Let's go. Take it away, right. baby. This episode is brought to you by Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, a tasty, versatile spirit. Created in Chicago in 2012, the product was born out of a need for a bespoke iteration of the Old Tom style, which is the slightly sweeter predecessor to London Dry. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin carries classic notes of orange peel, juniper, and coriander while balancing on a subtle floral edge thanks to the addition of osmanthus blossoms. Its elevated proof is suitable in cocktails or unadorned. Scofflaw Old Tom Gin, complete your bar. Death Row Meal. Um, bowl of rice, butter, soy sauce, kimchi, sunny egg. Mom's Kitchen? Yeah. Yep. Favorite hidden gem restaurant? I don't know what constitutes hidden gem. Um, Something that's not making headlines yet, okay. but, sh- but deserves it. 
Sorry, I'm blanking. No, I'm, I'm fucking up already. No, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I just, I don't, they're big in the south side, but there's this place called Uwe, it is. And recently I had a great meal there, and they have like multiple locations in the south side. Hmm. I, don't, I wouldn't say that they're hidden gem, but a lot of north siders don't know about them or what, what do they the mean? It's like southern Cajun. Oh, wow. And it's, it was incredible. Wow. I took a chance. Uh, I went with some of my friends. Uh, they're all. Their original location is on 83rd and by the, by the expressway, by LaSalle. Okay. Mm. That place is great. Nice. Ooh, it is. All right, more south side. Uh, what are your favorite spots in Beverly? Fuck. Uh, Chili's? <laughs> <laughs> they just Top opened notch? up. Uh, I love Top Notch. Uh, Top Notch, Horse Thief Hollow, uh, incredible beers, always have good uh, rotations of food. Uh, Top Notch, classic burger joint. I actually like Fontenelle subs too. Okay. Uh, there, I think there's only two in the city and there's one in the South side, right by my house. Um, there's also Afro Joe's on 99th and, Lo- and Longwood, uh, awesome breakfast food, awesome, strong coffee. Um, rainbow cone. Yeah. I don't know. Hey, I'm Danny on the went a couple sometimes. days ago. Danny, yeah, it's, yeah, how'd it's you like, like it? No, it's like a great, I mean, the Palmer house is the best of those flavors. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Um, but no, it's like a great, I have, I never have it. So it's always yeah. like it a, a Sox game novelty. now. Oh really? Yeah. Shit. That's weird. <laughs> I, I do love that they have like that spill tray with every Yeah. Cone. Yeah. Exactly. Like, that's pretty yeah, genius. Genius. Um, but yeah, you know, rainbow cones always going to be a classic. And then, uh, yeah, there really isn't, there's a place called Unidad. That's a little evergreen. That's a little further West. That's, yeah. That place is pretty good, but that's a good list. Yeah. 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 Oh yeah, Nikki's. Nikki's at Beverly's amazing too. Fast food, uh, Greek, uh, Greek style diner. Is that that's where the big baby is, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I forgot about that. Yes. <laughs> yeah, Nikki's is a classic. Actually, just uh, a friend and, and listener of the pod, Shannon Roma. We were just texting. Oh, I love Nikki's. Shannon. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, she's great. She she lives like right down the street from me. Yeah. Yeah. She's awesome. They're so sweet. Agreed. All right. What's your favorite fast food? It's hard to narrow it down. It is. Uh, I literally just had a roll that's just fucking pop up in my yeah. head. Favorite fast food. I like, other than, besides favorite fast food place, I like fast food items. Yeah. Um, sausage egg McMuffin with cheese yeah, from that's, McDonald's. That's got to be yeah. my top With the hash two. brown inserted into the thing. Okay. Um, In-N-Out Burger. Always, yeah. if I'm out of town, I'm going to get. Yep, love that. That's one vote for In and Out. <laughs> yeah, really, I'm, I'm, I'm a favorite. I'm a Culver's I'm from, guy. I'm from oh. LA. This guy's uh, always pushing Culver's. Gotcha. I, I love Culver's too. It's outstanding. Their uh, their chicken nuggets are actually their chicken nuggies. Their tenders are really good. Um, Wendy's spicy chicken sandwich. Yep, same. Uh, I like the Whopper. The Whopper is classic. Yeah. Uh, Flail fish is amazing as well to me. Uh, a good old bucket of Popeyes chicken goes a long way for me. Um, Harold's as well mm-hmm. i don't know yeah they're considered fast food and yeah i think i i pot bellies when i'm hungover sure that's my go-to you them the and jimmy john's i get a wreck yeah yeah, yeah. that's With classic to me. On it. yeah that was my uh, board of trade meal um oh, yeah, you were in the board r- r- for a year and a half oh, <laughs> that was plenty jerky oh, boy. guy and the rest <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah rick, rick bayless has never had fast food no way. <laughs> I don't believe that. That's what he said. He's also he's... never had a pizza delivered to his house, ever. God, he's the original hipster, huh? <laughs> <laughs> that's the same guy that's like, I, I don't have a TV in my house. I don't watch TV. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I read books and listen to podcasts. I'm like, fuck you, dude. You watch TV. You're full of shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I like the people who are like, I don't watch TV. 
but I have Netflix. Yeah. <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. 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 All right. What uh, what unexpected trivia category would you dominate? Musicals. Really? Wow. I think so. Uh, uh, you know, Test I'm, him. I'm, Danny's a musical guy. Really? I'm a, I'm a, I'm a secret, like, classic musical. I love musicals. Right, uh, cool. I, you know, that that's the theater kid in me. Uh, I remember a senior... I have the taste of like an 80, 85 year old white woman when it comes to musicals. Do you throw them on on like your phone when you're just hanging out? Uh, no, I'll just put it on YouTube. Put oh. straight up. Like I, my senior production was uh, Brigadoon. Okay. okay. Just such an old, yeah. like this takes place in the 1800s. It's such yeah. a stupid fucking like sappy love story. But yeah, I'm, that is a I love it for some reason. It's so dumb. <laughs> Guys and dolls. Um, I, you know, some of the newer stuff. I, I do love Wicked was fantastic yeah. um rent was great um i fucking watched showboat twice uh live <laughs> again like like that that shit is about like slavery and stuff like yeah. that and i'm like an 18 year old kid and all like oh look at the production value though <laughs> when um, we were kids that my sister got uh, she really wanted to see showboat and uh we lived out in the country and my parents got her tickets for or santa sorry santa brought her tickets <laughs> yeah, yeah of course Showboat you just ruined her life. my sister still doesn't <laughs> yeah. know that santa's yeah. not. it was at the auditorium theater and we have like a home movie of my sister being like running around the house like i'm going to see showboat at the auditorium theater <laughs> yep that's where i saw it <laughs> for the first time i saw showboat there uh, i love chicago chicago live was fantastic yeah that would be uh, a good one that was with bb newer too the one i saw uh which was also in fraser Mm-hmm. And cheers. And yeah, well, uh, Mimi in St. Louis was another one that was so corny. Uh, How to Succeed in Business Without Really Trying is another favorite. Um, but yeah, I just, I'll, I'll secretly watch the Tonys when no one's in the house. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just watch You're clips. Up on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love that shit. That's cool. It's such uh, a it's such a weird fantasy, you know, like that. No one fucking breaks down. It's so stupid the idea behind it, but it works. Yeah. It's entertaining, you yeah. know. It's a comforting world to Absolutely. escape to. Absolutely, it's like yeah. eating a cheeseburger. There are no surprises in a musical. Yeah. Absolutely not. Yeah, someone's gonna fall in love. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what is your favorite cocktail? Paloma or old fashioned? Mm, okay. Uh, old fashioned. If I had a really rough day of work, and a Paloma, if I'm just out and about, and yeah, if I want something fun. easy. All right, yeah. cool. Follow-up question, Danny? No, I, uh, our, kind of our Bev manager, AGM right now, Becca, she just wrote this new cocktail that's very much in line with what, oh, with nice. what a Paloma is. It's a Paloma old-fashioned hybrid. Yeah, exactly. Oh, nice. <laughs> oh, yeah. I didn't know that could be done. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a so challenge, wild, but Danny's yeah. up for it. You're up for <laughs> <Yeah>. anything. <laughs> it's yeah, also, a, yeah. it's also an eight-ounce right? cocktail. Yeah. It's yeah. an eight-ounce cocktail <laughs> because yeah. it requires so <laughs> many ingredients. Yeah. Fish bowl. You just yeah. have two cup delis. Like, <laughs> yeah, what the exactly. fuck? Just two straws and two <laughs> independent glasses. Uh, craziest thing you've seen while DJing? Surely you've seen something gnarly. Yeah, I'm trying to think which one. Uh, <laughs> just narrowing it down. Let's see. I think... Well, I've seen my fair share of fights happen uh, at places. Um, that's not really that interesting. I've seen someone projectile vomit uh, on the dance floor, which mm-hmm. was pretty gross. On someone? Uh, on someone at first, and then the circle cleared, <laughs> and it just kept going. It was like a fountain. They were just, just in the eye of the storm. Yeah, it was just disgusting. <laughs> I saw one guy uh, dance for like what seemed like 45 minutes straight by himself. 
that's, that's i'll have what he's having yeah it, it, it doesn't sound crazy but like if you saw this person you'd be like yo that dude is fucking crazy he's dancing to a manual <laughs> that we're playing you just dance to anything and everything I kind of want him at every party tonight. Yeah, now. every party needs yeah. a guy like that. <laughs> but yeah, nothing, nothing too crazy. Those like guys usually show up at weddings. There's yeah. always the one guy always. in his own world. And someone's uncle. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, nothing too crazy. You know, every it's just typical shit. Fights, drugs, yeah. you know, vomiting, drama, breakups. How, how, That's normal, right? It's like every day at Tim's apartment. How do you how do you <laughs> handle requests? I wouldn't imagine that. Uh, would go over well. I don't. I just say no. Yeah. And, and then <laughs> they get mad. Like style, yeah. They get mad, and then I say, "Well, if you're persistent about this, just go in your car for three minutes, listen to the song, come back, get it out of your system." Because... I've got the microwave or microphone, so you <laughs> yeah. listen to every goddamn word. Well, I also at the same time, it's like, how, how are you speaking on everyone's behalf? You yeah, know, just because you, yeah, that you're hundred percent sure. About. You're hundred percent yeah. sure with your back to the audience that this is the song that everyone wants to hear. Yeah. You know better than everyone, right? Here's a petition. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> my favorite is when they're like, "Excuse me, no one's dancing. Can you play this?" And I literally look. I'm like, "Look behind you. There are people <laughs> dancing." You're the only one not dancing. Yeah, look at that one guy in his own world who's been <laughs> yeah. going for 45 look minutes. Look at Uncle Paco over here. He's going ape shit. He's loving everything. I mean, I didn't even start the music. Look at him go. He was he was here when I got here. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right. To what do you attribute your success? Curiosity and passion. I think those two things go such a long way. And, you know, you don't need money or training to be, to be curious and to want to find out more about something. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... That's been my driving force. Uh, bad neighbor, visiting bad neighborhoods or what's considered to be dangerous. It was never, n- never registered in my head. I just went for it and put myself in some predicaments. Of a- absolutely, I have, but I think the payoff was worth everything. So it, you know, finding that wall as a teenager to see it in person and see the scale of it, see the depth and technique, uh, the spray paint can and stuff like that, like that, you know. That only comes with the drive and the passion, you know, and and the curiosity. And I think that's super important. That's a nice answer. Um, All right. What is something that bars or restaurants do that might annoy you? (laughs) Shit. Where do we start? Go write a dissertation on (laughs) this. Let's limit it to 20. (laughs) Okay. Uh, For time. (laughs) Something annoying. Well, I think when bars or restaurants get a little bit too... I don't. I don't want to offend anyone, but when they get too uh, wordy with where their stuff comes from, I yeah. think it's like I. I understand your price point reflects that that this is a special piece of carrot. You know, for instance, <laughs> like I get it. You're not going to charge twenty five dollars for a carrot unless it came from a good farm or came from a mystical fucking, you know, part of this world or this country. <laughs> um, you know stuff like that i think the self-importance i think yeah uh, or the just maybe it's like the justification yeah and it's almost like i understand why they have to do it because you know people that aren't aren't in industry will need to yeah. read that and and justify that price as well exactly, like you said. Yeah. So, i think that uh i remember when i ate at a place i just read like half the menu was like hey we source it from this farm and this place and this place and it's more i'm like i just want a fucking paloma like, yeah exactly. you're getting your grapefruits from Fucking this small town and village in Mexico. I doubt it. Can you just fucking make this fucking cocktail real quick? It's only fourteen bucks. You know? <laughs> um, so I think I think the self importance and uh, 
yeah, again, it just it just comes to it just comes down to like people living in their own bubble and not kind of being aware yeah. of other things happening around them. Uh, I think I think that's kind of annoying. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, and then here is our last question: What is the best thing about Chicago's hospitality scene? I think the best thing about Chicago's hospitality scene is how everyone can come together for any cause at any time. I think the idea of wanting to help is instilled in a lot of hospitality people. And I think the actions of wanting to help is always there, uh, whether that's whether that's actually executed well or not. It's a whole different story. But mm-hmm. I think the thought behind wanting to help is always that's something that always brings restaurants together, you know, and I think, I think I'm almost certain that almost every single restaurant did something to help someone out at some point, you know, yeah. uh, whether it's donating to a national charity or whether it's like fundraising for their own employees and stuff like that. I think that's, that's one thing. I think Chicago's hospitality scene has a big heart. Yeah. It's not translated uh, well sometimes because we're all kind of dicks and miserable, but I think the the core of it all, we do actually care. Yeah, which is weird. Yeah, it's the willingness to serve more than just absolutely, food. absolutely agree. Um, yeah, I think I think that's I think that's awesome. Yeah, that was our last question. So that's oh, a wrap. Yeah, yeah, thanks for being well, thanks here. Thanks so much for joining us. This is fun. No, thank yeah, you guys. Time. I appreciate it. And that concludes our conversation with Juan Kim of Kimsky. Thanks so much for listening. And remember... Kimsky 2.0. That's right. Thank you, Danny. <laughs> and remember to check us out on Instagram, at JoinersPod, for exclusive content, including cocktails by our very own Danny Shapiro, throwback photos on Thursdays, and, of course, our new reels, compliments of Joe Guzzo. The third. Yes. Remember, this episode was produced by Matt Haddock and music by Captain Cuts. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Cheers. Cheers.